0: Well, hello, and welcome to the Thrive Women's Podcast. I'm Angie, and I'm joined by my friend, Lisa. And if you're listening this week, that means you listened last week and didn't think we were so off the rails that you're back for another episode Are
1: so off the rails that you were decorating for Christmas. Yeah,
0: they're like, I got to tune in and see what these crazies talk about next. But welcome to the podcast this week. We have a great conversation coming your way. Oh, so
1: good. So good. And it's Monday, and Monday's our favorite time to check in and hear about the weekend. So we can report, Angie. I want to hear all things Angie World. Oh, boy.
0: Um, Well, we don't have enough time for
1: that. No, just kidding. Um,
0: Yes. Okay, this past weekend... Uh, I'm a big time list on my calendar. What's the plan? Where's the spreadsheet kind of person. And so probably like many of you, the next few weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas are very full. And I have had a habit the past few years of just trying to write it down more, be more intentional and get things on the calendar. So I have my like little list of things I know have to happen at Christmas. So this weekend I did a, A ton of that, just strategy, gift, purchasing, checking off, cleaning.
1: I don't know. Oh, that sounds like, it actually sounds like a good time. Now, do you have an app that you use to help you with your lists?
0: Oh my gosh. I actually would love to know if people have found um, an app they love. Uh, Christina on our team that helps make this podcast happen. <clears throat> she and I were sharing a to-do app and then it got bought out by another company. Now we don't like it. So we never we don't share to-dos anymore. So
1: can you digitally cross a line through
0: No, I have I have three spiral bound notebooks. Okay, that's your old school. Right yeah.
1: Okay, that makes sense. Okay. One
0: for work, one for like creative projects, and one for personal like home stuff, like groceries. And this is getting boring, but <laughs>
1: But not our our conversation that we had with Erin Clark. We caught up with her (laughs) during (laughs) that. Don't worry,
0: we don't talk about spiral notebooks there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, but it was so interesting. They were having a huge storm while we were podcasting. I know, she's Uh, like,
0: well, let's fit it in before we float
1: away. Yeah, she said people were in kayaks and we were waiting for the ship to go by, but she made (laughs) it through um, our conversation. And you are in for a great conversation about all things ministry, motherhood, lists and, and living with intention. Mm-hmm. Enjoy our conversation with Aaron Clark.
0: Well, welcome to the Thrive Women's Podcast, Aaron. I just said this before, but I really can't believe it's taken us this long to get you on the <laughs> podcast. We, <laughs> we've Woo, seen I, you so many times and we love, uh, just, we do a lot of life, Bayside life with you and your family, but um
1: and Bayside probably feels like they know her because they know her husband so well. That's true. But we're we're gonna get to get to know you really well today. So yeah,
0: Bayside feels like family to us. So I'm so thankful that you're happy today. We're just that family, you know, over the border that keeps making you cross and do all those quarantine and tests and everything.
2: Exactly. It. Trust me, trust me. We love the sun, so we're yeah. <laughs>
0: And of course you all as well. Yeah, also. sure. As no, we also. get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, we know why you come. Well, okay, tell our little tell our listeners a little bit about you, your family, ministry life, um, what all that looks like.
2: Okay, yeah. So I Mark and I met when I was seventeen. He was 18. He dated for five years. And in that time he felt a call to ministry. Um And so that was when we began our ministry life together was early in our dating years, around 18 or so. And then uh, we got married at 22 and six months later moved across country from Toronto to Vancouver um, uh, where we did ministry there for, for many years. And it was funny when we moved, we made the, the deal with each other. We're like, okay, we've done ministry together for a long time. When we move out there, Mark's just going to focus on school. We'll attend a church, but we're not going to like dive, right? In. And within two weeks, we were working <laughs> at the church. And uh, and from there, um, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, we planted Village Church and we passed it there today. And uh, it has been quite a ride. <laughs> we, uh, I remember we did some visions leading into it. And we're like, okay, if we have 200 people in the first five years, like that will be a success. And, uh, within, <laughs> I don't even know the first couple months, it just kept just, we were just keeping up and going, okay, Lord, we're, we're here mm. for this. We're in it. And, uh, now it's with COVID and everything that's happening, it's online all around the world and we're still just, <laughs> holding on for dear life of, of where God leads, but with a lot more help now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love that. Okay, and tell us about your uh, kids, well, the girls. Of
2: course, yes, yes, most important. So, Mark <laughs> and I have three daughters. Sienna is 15, Hayden is 13, and Isabella is 10, and uh, they are they're the delight of our lives, and uh, a lot of the decisions we make, what we do is often based around them. And uh, mm-hmm. just watching them grow and flourish has been such a gift. And uh, it's been amazing, even as we do ministry together. And it's really a family thing. Mm-hmm. We always see every opportunity and everything that we do is, okay, how does this align with our family and our girls and how will they thrive within this? And uh, I love the name of yeah. Thrive. It's it's really, it's why we do things. What, How will we thrive in whatever scenario we're in? And I believe that if we stick together as a family, that no matter what we do, no matter where we are, that uh, we can thrive together.
1: I love that, Aaron. And, and like you mentioned, you and your husband, Mark, planted a church and growing that ministry right now. But you've talked a lot about your heart for pastor's wives, mm-hmm. which, which I love. Tell, tell us how you view your calling and role in ministry alongside mark and and how you're how you're connecting with those wives who are really been in a tough season coming alongside their husband and churches that they pastor. Mm. How's God specifically kind of connecting those two things?
2: Mm. Yeah, most definitely. I definitely evolved over years. Again, when we started, we were dating. I grew up in the church. I grew up in not vocational ministry, but calling. Our family was always on mission, always serving within a local church. And when Mark and I started dating, he didn't have any church experience. He was a Christian, mm-hmm. but he had just started attending church for the first time. And so we got ahead quite a bit in those early years because we would do ministry together. And I'd be like, uh, that's not how you do that. This <laughs> is how you do it. This is how it's supposed to be done. And so I had to evolve a lot throughout the years of, okay, what actually is God's calling on my life? I knew that I wasn't called to be pastor. That wasn't the role that God called me to. He called me to come alongside and just as all Christians have been called to is to, um, be on mission, to serve where we all have a calling. And, um, but it wasn't formal, um, pastoral ministry for me, um, but that was hard through many years, through seasons where that was the norm. It was it was preparing women for ministry mm-hmm. and for that next step. And it was like, okay, but I don't think that's me. So where do I fit within this? And I remember when we first decided that we were gonna go into ministry, we went and sought counsel from a pastor that I grew up with throughout life. And we went in and we're like, okay, we feel God's calling. We're, we know that we're going to get married one day. This is our, and he, I don't even know how he just had it under his desk, but he pulled out a fish tank and (laughs) threw it on the desk. And he's like, this will be your life. If you do this, Aaron, you will not be good at this. You will not succeed in this run. Do not do this. (laughs) And I'm like, Again, where did the fish egg come from? Yeah. How, who just keeps one under? I'm not sure if people are coming to him for counsel every week being called to ministry. But this was a person who I felt knew me. And I was like, okay, he's saying I'm not gonna be good at this. But in that moment, and part of it is my stubbornness. I, I, I get where he's coming from. But in that moment, I was like, you know what? We can do this and we can be different within this. So that was our groundwork. Um, was how can we do this different so that we don't grow up with the mentality? Because I started to realize, yes, there's hard aspects in ministry, but they put themselves in that fish tank. So how do we mm. live within this? And of course it's difficult, but I really choose to see ministry as a gift. And that's evolved over years. It's evolved over seasons where seasons are hard. People don't always like the decisions that are being made. They don't always like you. It's hard when you're open and vulnerable with one another and they break your heart or they go to another church, whatever it might be. That happens. But it's like, okay, God, are we still on mission? Is this where we're called to do? And so I really see history in ministry families. It hasn't been beautiful to watch. My history wasn't Mm -hmm. so. And I just have this heart because it is a it can be a lonely thing if you come under that guise of we're in this alone, we're in the fish tank, nobody understands what we're going through. And it's like why? Why don't we rally each other? Why aren't we coming mm. alongside? There yeah. are so many pastors and pastors like in our cities and our countries in our nation, and our nations and if we could actually rally around one another and support one another, instead of seeing each other as competition or whatnot, we can really gift each other in that. And so mm. I have a real passion for it. I think even within it, not just the unique role of being a pastor's pastor, but what is your calling within the church? We're not meant to do everything, but we're also not meant to do nothing. So where do we, where do we fit within that? So I could go on all day on this topic because I've made so many errors. I thought, well, there's a need for a kid person. So I should be that person. But then I would come home after when we were planting village, I'd come home utterly exhausted because I just did the same thing Mark did, just on a different level. And I had nothing left for him. And so we have a lot of scars from those early years of putting the church first over our family, over our kids. And but God has sustained us and God has, humbled us and shown us like, no, no, I've given you a whole village around you. You're not in this alone.
0: I like how you've talked about your family on mission and you guys doing ministry together. And you really are together in the life (laughs) you're living. And I want to talk a little bit about homeschooling, which is a big part of your story. And I mean, obviously a big part of your week. Um, as you kind of chose that for your family and that's what you guys are working uh, or what you're doing together. So just unpack that for us a little bit. How mm-hmm. did you get th- to that decision to homeschool? How has that served your family as you're on mission together?
2: Yeah, this is definitely really tied into our life and ministry together. Um, we are also, we're not a typical have ministry family where we're just within the local church mark speaks abroad he um, speaks at conferences or whatnot so we have this opportunity to travel to do those things it's not within just our area and so that took time away and Mm -hmm. we made it a purpose early on that if he traveled that if i was able to that i would travel with him um it's just enjoyable for us both but also um It helped me to be a part of the ministry. And then, so what happened was, it was probably, gosh, maybe eight years ago now. My kids were in school. We were just running. It was nonstop. From the morning we got up, to the moment we went to bed. And we're not very focused, (laughs) people, (laughs) as far as schedules go. And so uh, a typical day would be 4 o'clock, me getting a text from Mark saying, Hey, I invited such and such over for dinner tonight. Never met these people. They have six kids. Okay. I just got to pick up the kids. I got to do this. And I got to run around and our life is just chaotic. My kids were really struggling with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of stress. Um, they definitely still had a lot of residue from those early years of church planting. We were going to every service, just trying to do it all. And we just reached a point one day where I had to come before to the Lord and be like, okay, what needs to change within this? And my son, Julie Richard, she says this thing, the chatter doesn't matter. The vision makes the decision. And I remember hearing that and just being like, what is the vision for our family? What is this? because right now it just seems like Mark's doing his thing. I'm joining in when I can. The kids are getting shuffled with sitters and all of this. And it was like, okay, our vision for our family is I want to raise the girls to know God, to love God, his church, his ways. Mm. I want my girls to want to serve other people beyond ourselves. Uh, we want to do ministry together as a family. I don't want at the end of the day, I think the deepest like travesty of our family would be if we've done all of this work for Christ and our kids don't cross the finish line mm-hmm. at the end of time and we've neglected the biggest responsible uh, responsibility of our lives. Like Mother Teresa says, if you want to take care of the world, go home and take care of your family first. Maybe she said it more eloquently, but something along those lines. And it was like, okay, those are the vision for our family. I want to flourish in my marriage. I want to flourish in motherhood. I want to flourish in ministry. What can we do to change this? And it was schooling for us. And I know that that's not the way, not everybody can do it. I believe everybody has the ability to do it. God gave us our children. We know our children better than anybody else, and he will sustain you through it. But I do know it's not plausible for everybody to homeschool. But for us, for our family, it was a game changer for us because I knew that no matter what um, trips came up or conferences or meetings in the evenings, I had spent that quality time with my kids. And so that, not in a nutshell, in a long story, is... It's really, and I keep having to go back to it because in those early days where I still tried to make school look like school, it wasn't enjoyable for me. And I'd have to go back and go, okay, what's the vision? Oh, wait, I want a relationship with my kids. I want this time to be meaningful. So it's not just about putting facts into their brain. Let's change this up. Mm-hmm. The chatter doesn't matter. The people around me that are like, mm-hmm. that's not how you do learning. That's not how this works that doesn't matter because the vision hasn't changed. The vision is the same. And, uh, and it continues to do that. Even when people ask, well, what are these kids going to do for, post oh, second. People like to think so long term down. And yeah. it's like, the vision hasn't changed. This is, I want to create lifelong learners. I want to enjoy yeah. And so uh, it has changed our life. It's changed my marriage. Mm-hmm. I'm so much more, I have more capacity for the things that matter. Um, because uh, because I'm not running around all over the place, I'm able to love my neighbors better. When Mark comes home at the end of the day, we've got candles lit and it sets this tone for our family. And so um, that is that's why we homeschool as a family.
1: That's amazing. And and I would think that this was happening before even COVID hit, because I feel like a lot of people are getting to this place right now. We're hearing more conversations around that kind of questioning some of the the lifestyle choices and and the busyness and building ministry and yet not building into your marriage and raising kids. So you've been kind of pioneering. You're some. ahead of the time. That's what I'm saying is you, you yeah. Most, yeah, most definitely.
2: And I think, again, we have, there's a reason that there's so many scriptures towards not thinking, not planning ahead, but living for mm-hmm. today. We always are thinking about that. Well, what if our kids can't do this? What if this? And then something like COVID happens and it's like, wait, everything's on its head. We're not even thinking about, we're gonna be switching up, hey, how do jobs work? It's not just going into an office every day. This can be done, Hey, how does this work? And uh, that to me was was key to kind of go, huh, schools were based on the industrial revolution. There was a reason for it, but we're not stuck to that idea. Let's be willing to change, willing to shift. If this doesn't work, and uh, yeah, I felt bad for the people who started homeschooling that were thrust into it because of COVID because it wasn't true homeschooling. It was, you're still being told what you needed to teach. And it was basically doing homework with your kids. Yeah, right. But when you can kind of come into this pattern where we do it very much, I don't do a lot of pre-prep. Um, I learn with them. So we find something that we're interested in and we just delve into it together. We just went Canadian governments and you'd think it was a bore, but it was actually like so exciting to me because I, I didn't even know how our government worked. It's much more confusing than American government, I can assure you. But, um, it was, fun because we're doing it together and we're learning together.
1: Sounds like you have a field trip ahead of you here soon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so speaking of vision, I'm sure you have, you have great vision for your girls, but what is that like in raising girls in just this current world and how are you protecting and preparing them for the world that God's called them to live their purpose out in? Yeah,
2: I am a firm believer that we're oh gosh, now the the wording just left me, but we're in the world, but not of the world.
0: Mm -hmm. We can't
2: protect our kids from everything as far as, okay, you can't do this, you can't do that. They are gonna have access to it. So my responsibility, I believe as a parent is to teach them how to use the technology that we have today, not to run from it, not to hide from it, but to teach them, okay, how can we use this responsibly? And I know everybody has different opinions and different thoughts on this, but I know within our home, I could not imagine sending my kids out at 18, 19, the first time that they have access to this, where they're no longer under my leadership to guide. And so, for example, for technology, for Instagram, this is a hard one because I know for myself, I'm on Instagram. I get the catcall messages, I get stuff that keeps me up at night where I'm like, who? who thinks that I would like this message being sent to me? And then you're like, I'm gonna put my kids into this world. This seems crazy and backwards. Um, And so what we do in our house is when our girls, we have different milestones. We have 11, uh, 13, and then 16. We haven't reached the 16 yet in our house, but for 13, I plan a little trip with my girl when they turn 13. And it doesn't have to be a fancy place. It could be camping, if that's your thing. But I do, I tailor it to their interests. And um, my oldest, I point when we went to New York because she loves theater and music. My next daughter hates the city, and that would be terrible to take her to a city. <laughs> and we went horseback riding in Alberta. And this time is a time where it's just her and I, and we're talking about technology. about Because 13, even based on Instagram and all these places, 13 is their minimum point. And Mm -hmm. so if a company is saying that, it's like, okay, that's the baseline for us. It's actually illegal to do it before, honey. So we wait until all their friends have it. And and so we take them and we talk about technology. We talk about beauty. We talk about boys. We talk about all the things that they're coming into that next season Mm -hmm. in. The 13 to 16 mark is a time So we talk about all these things and that's when they get to start their Instagram account. We talk about, Hey, what is the point? What's the purpose of your Instagram account? My oldest is music. My next is talking about how can we be a light to the world? And we talk about the importance of everything that's on the internet is on it forever. Um, What we say, it's easy to hide behind a screen. People can be mean and also opening them up to the fact that you'll now see what people think of your father, (laughs) what people think (laughs) of village. And it will change your minds on things on how, and, and so we introduced them to it in that way. And, uh, it's a private account and it's on my phone. And so she actually, Mm -hmm. at this point, uh, my 13 year old, we just did it and she has to come to my phone to use it. And then as time goes on, it will go onto her phone, but they still remain, the account still remains. So I can always go on and check if I don't check their personal messages, but I can see what's happening. And so it's allowing them to go, but still you're in with arms. reach. So it's like letting your kids play in front of Mm -hmm. your yard, but you're there to catch them if they're going on the road. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, it's not safe. The internet isn't safe. We know that, but it's okay. How can we guide you within this? Because you will see stuff. So there's Good pictures, bad pictures. There's different books and resources that can help. Never stop having the conversation with your kids. And another way that we do this is I'm very open with my girls. Uh, They know that I am honest with them, even if it's uncomfortable at times. Um, I will always answer them exactly. I'll never beat around the bush and be like, well, well, just wait till you're older. It's like, no, if they ask the question, there's a reason they're asking it. And I want them to know that above everybody else, I'm a trusted resource to come to, because they won't always come to me. I get that. And so preparing them to ask the questions, preparing them. I don't want my kids to just act a certain way. I want their hearts to actually feel it and believe it. I want them to be going to the God of the universe for their concerns when they're sad, Um, not to just band-aid them, but so teaching them how to have a solid relationship. So it's it's really hard. It's a lot Uh of prayer. (laughs) It's daily prayer. um, And just when you think things are good, you have another child (laughs) that, (laughs) that then comes in and has their own struggles. And it's, but that's, that's what doing life is that's relationships, And so I'm just, I'm thankful to be on this journey with them. Um, but it's hard. It's not without it. -hmm. It's hard days
1: for sure. And I love that encouragement too, that we don't need to fear their failure because it will be their failure that we get to come alongside and show them how to walk through that. I mean, there's no better way to equip our kids for the world than for all of those things to take place before they leave the house. So that's, that's a good word and reminder for any of our parents listening for sure.
2: Absolutely. It's like people in the circus that are practicing during their trapeze. They're not going to text every time, but they have Mm -hmm. that safety guard underneath and then they try again and there's somebody there to guide them along. And we're, we're the guide and also not living through your kids. Their failures are not your failures and we need Mm -hmm. to be open to allow them to fail. I know many of the regrets in my life, the, the things that, um, I, I shouldn't have done or feel, they actually strengthened me. And mm. the experience that I had, they made me stronger. It made me the woman I am today. And so I don't want to keep my kids from that. We need to live in both joy and sadness and pain. And yeah. so it's, it's like that Inside Out movie. You can't <laughs> have
0: joy without that. Because you wouldn't understand
2: mm-hmm. what real
1: joy is.
0: I love that movie. For so many of us, so helped us actually reasons. understand how we feel oh, inside. Yeah, that was free
1: counseling Absolutely. right there.
0: <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, I love so much of what you're talking about, Erin. It just shows the intention behind why you do what you do in your house. And so I'm, I'm thinking now, like even for myself, I don't have kids in my house that I'm trying to walk through this with, but even for myself, okay, the Christmas season is coming. I feel like I really need to think through how am I going to live this season? And Mm -hmm. um, I was just curious, you know, we're thinking about talking with you and I'm like, oh, I want to ask her about this season. Like, what do you guys do in your family? Um, What do you start doing or what do you stop doing just Mm -hmm. to live this season with... um, intention and to not get to the end of it and feel like, whoa.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right, right.
0: There that went. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys have anything you're talking about or
2: how you Yeah, absolutely. We had so many years that we would come into Christmas and everybody (laughs) would be sick. At least one or two of the kids would be laid out on Christmas because we had done so much. Yeah, And again, with homeschooling, it's helped us to minimize, but life is still busy. We have Christmas parties constantly hosted out of our house and there's a lot happening. And so what we do is, and I know this is tricky with American Thanksgiving. Most people like to wait until it's over, but I like to set up for Christmas early. And so in our house, uh, we're actually already
0: set for Christmas. I love it. Right.
2: <laughs> I know it's backwards. I
0: know most of No Erin, I will just tell you, um, down here, down here, I don't know, in the States, it's like people I think Thanksgiving is just gonna be a little intermission in Christmas season. Okay. Like it's okay up. we're
1: going. We're decorated okay. at face side.
0: And
2: I love that. Okay, good. Okay, yeah. I love that because there is something so Beautiful, 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 beautiful <laughs> about the Christmas season where within the house, right when you put up those lights and the candles are lit, <laughs> it's already darker outside to begin with, something happens and just a piece washes over it instantly. Mm. And so I want to draw this season out as long as possible, but I'm also the person that like the day after Christmas. <laughs> <right here. laughs> but on the on the prep side where So that portion is done. So then we can just enjoy the season. Our house is ready for it. You have to do your deep clean again and you're ready. Um, Another uh, thing that we do to kind of market is December 1st, we start our hot chocolate bar and it's, it's just evolved over time, but people like love coming over. All the kids' friends get so excited because they know, Okay, the hot chocolate bar is open and it's just a never ending <laughs> hot chocolate bar. It's always filled and they can go at it whenever they want. It's just full of Christmas special things. It's very festive. That's kind of a kickoff of, okay, is this, so is this is the Christmas season starting for us. So it doesn't take much. These aren't big things that we do, but it's these little things that are, when we're intentional in the little things, it builds this nostalgia within our kids, within ourselves like the pumpkin spice latte or the egg (laughs) snog latte it's like it's this marker for you of a moment in time and so as many times as we can create these feelings of like love and safety within our homes it's going to bond our kids our spouse with one another even more of like oh I like this place Mm -hmm. um and so even the decorations I am like, we have a lot of trees <laughs> in our house and stuff I'm pretty hard But I was just at the dollar store the other day, and it doesn't take a lot. Like, the dollar store is full of, if you're on a low budget, you can get the core, let the kids decorate their rooms for it. And um, Basically, you can never have too much Christmas in our house. And then on the practical side, as far as our schooling goes, we will probably only make it um, a couple weeks into December. And then it's just time to be thinking about the neighbors, about baking together. We already got our neighbors gifts. So it's as much thinking ahead and planning ahead as possible, mm-hmm. uh, they're wrapped in under the tree so that that's not just the last minute. I want it to be a meaningful. And then we sit down just last week. I sat down with my calendar and the family and I'm like, okay, What are our top priorities for this season? Who is it that we want to connect with? Um, Here are the Christmas parties that are going to be hosted at our house, the small groups that will be hosted. Let's feed it in so that we don't overextend and overbook and say, yes, these are the priorities. If other things fit in within this, this is cool. But these are our priorities. Um, Because I really, I've been really convicted in the last uh, few years. We do the Santa and the fun and all of that but I really have been, and I'm not a liturgical thinker so much. This is not the way my mind goes to, but there's something about the lead up to the Christmas season and Easter that I've been much more mindful of like, no, as Christians, we need to be more mindful of what creates these moments, these markers that are leading us into the most important Um celebrations and times that we as Christians and that's one area that um we just don't do we just don't do so great as as a Christian and even in the the reason why we do this special milestones with the girls it's it's creating those moments that are pointers to what's to come and so um candles are huge in our house there's always candles lit Uh, Music. Music is huge um, as far as just setting a mood for the house and then just having fun with it. We don't take our house too seriously. We have a very much an open door policy. There's always extra food and it seems like almost every night of the week I'm cooking for extra people. (laughs) Um, But it makes it fun and we have the capacity for it because of the other decisions that we've made in life. So. So make your priority list, figure out, okay, this is what's important and everything else is, is extra. And it is tricky within ministry. I know Bayside, you guys do events. Well, you guys are hardcore and that does take time. That Mm -hmm. takes time away from your, your home schedules and all of that. And another thing for ministry families, um, as i speak to uh, pastor's wives which i had to realize early on is the church life within the december months are busy they're crazy and i would come into christmas day and mark would have preached all day on christmas eve and the kids were young and i was starting to resent um, Mm. church around that time where uh, i was taking care of all the kids all the christmas stuff all of that and then he would just show up tired on christmas day and i was like (laughs) Wait a second, I can either mope about this for the rest of time, because this is my life, this isn't going anywhere, or I can change it. We can choose within our family to do Christmas on any day of December. So usually for us, it's the 23rd or the 22nd. Each year it shifts just a little bit, and we still get to do our focused family Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, and Mm -hmm. have that whole day of just nothing. Who's who says that it has to be on the 25th you can still do the extra family stuff but have your focused family time and don't let the chatter around you matter if it's important to you you'll make it happen
1: so that's so good I love that. I, you are such a woman of intention, and I was thinking about just the preparation and how important preparing our hearts and preparing our homes helps us be in the present, right? That to not miss the present moment, and that Christmas kind of slows us down. I think, and and uh, and our senses are more, more attuned to things that we often miss in the busyness of life. So, creating that space, even though it's a busy season for your home, so good, Erin. Really helpful. No, I
0: wish I was close enough to come check out. The I know hot that. Cocoa cho-
1: bar. I was thinking. I, right? I just made a note. Get the hot chocolate bar going, Lisa, <laughs> on December first. You're welcome 1st. anytime. Yeah, yeah <laughs> really good. Um, so, you know, we keep talking about this unique season and time in our world and you just have to believe every generation of the church has sat in their, you know, their homes and thought the same thing, but, but what are you seeing as the positives and how God is at work as you kind of reflect back, we are reflecting and kind of examining in a deeper way. And what are you seeing? What's God doing?
2: Mm -hmm. I believe that it really identified important relationships in our lives of where we need to put our focus. Mm. When everyone was locked down in their homes with their families, it was like, oh, wait, okay, these are my people. Everybody else are extras. Um, And I know that it really, I was even, like, listening to some celebrities talking today, not in person, on a podcast, and they were talking about all of a sudden they reconnected with their kids because it just, settled them down to be in one place. And so I think for a lot of people and which God has worked in my heart on over the years is that at the end of the day, when I see my life 20, 50 years from now, the people that are within my home, my close friends, those are the people that I want to finish the race with. I want to have a friendship with my kids. And it really, I really intensified fear and what we can do with fear because fear can either anger us, it can, or it can push us to love because love casts out all fear. And so there was so much fear within this time. um, But when we are focused outward, we're able to see um, the fruits of how love casts out fear. And so This season has been beautiful to see that, to see families really figure out how to prioritize. Mm -hmm. I know early on when we were completely locked down, I started, uh, and you can go back, but I did daily just crazy fun events. We had like Survivor Day, we had 80s Day, all of these things because we shut down school. So when everybody was starting to try to learn how to do homeschooling, I was like, no, no, no schooling should be happening right now. We're fearful, our kids are fearful. Life is upside Mm. down. We need to just create fun within our home. We need to have this connection so that our kids feel safe within this bigger realm. And now that Mm. things are opening up, it's okay, how do we sustain this now? Because now I know, okay, my family are my priority. I wanna be with them But now the shiny things are happening again. And (laughs) how do we balance that? And so I think that's been and then what I noticed is there's some reflective time now as you look back. And through COVID, what I realized, especially for our family, is when you're just inward focused, uh, we spent a lot of time within our homes. We weren't serving one another. We weren't being on mission like we were supposed to be that what we're called to do. You don't flourish. Mm-hmm. You start to Fear kept growing and you become so um, internal focused. And then all of a sudden now that it's opened up, if you haven't started to reach out yet to connect with your neighbors, to serve at your local church, whatever it might be, you're missing out Hmm. on this great blessing. And it's crazy how fear is cast out when we're loving one another around us. Um, So that has been key. And I've noticed even within church opening back up for us here, it's only been in the last couple months that we've been allowed physical gathering and people are the people who are back in church and feel comfortable back in church and are making it a priority. They're just so thankful to be there. Like I stand there and we worship together and I just weep and I'm not an overly emotional person but I just weep and I'm just like wow like let me not take this for granted Mm -hmm. this is so beautiful to have the opportunity to be in community with one another while we're doing this and so I think that there's been great blessing over it there's been reflective time of going okay what things have we done this is where I tend to go more so (laughs) I do think more on the negative side where Um, I I hope that through this, we've realized, like, we can be hospitable with our neighbors, with the world around us, but when lockdown happened and you're at home, we can be hospitable online. And that was one thing that disappointed me, but also pushed me where it was Mm. like, at this time, like Facebook for a season, Instagram was the way that we as Christians we're able to be hospitable to those around us. So what are we posting? How are we using this platform to love one another and serve one another through that? And so a lot of self-reflection happens and um, and it's, I think it's encouraging. I think the future's bright. I think if we start really kind of serving beyond, it doesn't mean that there's no struggle anymore, but when we mm. can go beyond ourselves, it's, uh, it's a beautiful
0: thing. I love that. I like the, yeah, hospitable online. I just, mm-hmm. I wish we had talked about that 18 months ago. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But we still have opportunity for it. 100%. No, so. <laughs> yeah, no, it's exactly. great. Exactly. Okay, so I would love to keep chatting all day, but we are going to wrap up. But before we do, we want to give you the last word. So this is our, I mean, you could say whatever you want, Erin, but Mm. we'd just love to know what's on your heart to um, encourage listeners with or challenge them with, but you get the final say. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) Better watch her. Yeah, we'll see where this goes. She's (laughs) taken
1: out her notebook (laughs) and her Bible.
2: I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Exactly. No, I'm so thankful for this podcast and the work that you're doing. And I just want to encourage you that wherever you're at in life, whether you're single, married, with kids, you're where you're supposed to be. And the kids that you have are the kids that you were supposed to have. (laughs) And um, I know I grew up, and this could be its own podcast, but I grew up with crippling, crippling fear. And it wasn't until I was 24 that God healed me from that. And I always reflect and think on, and even as the with what I was just sharing about love and fear. Uh, Philippians four, six to eight is like an anthem to me. And uh, I'm just gonna read it. Um, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And so he tells us, don't be anxious about everything have thanksgiving, but then what I'm thankful for is he doesn't just leave it with what not to think about. He then tells us, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And I just, it's such an encouragement to me and we're still in such unknown times and we're trying to not be anxious to give our request to God, but then he says, wait, wait, I'm also giving you what you need to fill you back up. So think on what's true, think on what's noble. And I just really feel like that fits with our um, intentionality and being focused because uh, we can either fill our minds and our hearts with um, the anxiousness of how are our kids doing in life? How is our marriage? Um, am I a good friend? Am I enough? Am I not enough? All those questions that we continue to ask ourselves over and over. And God says, no, no, no. I want you to think about the things that are pure and lovely. Mm -hmm. You are enough. You're not too much. You are a good friend. You are the exact mother that your kids are supposed to have. This is the marriage that I put you in. So work on it. Mm -hmm. It will flourish. And I just want to encourage you today to think on these things, not just to will our anxiousness away, but to go, okay, Mm. let me think on what is just and what is right. God has made me the person I am to be, and I don't need to fit a mold. I don't need to be the pastor's wife that this person is. I don't need to fill every role within the church. I am where I'm supposed to be, and I'm going to serve well, and I'm going to serve from the fountain that... God gives me because I'm filling myself up with his truth and his words. And so um, thank you. Thank That's you right. for having me today. Thank you for listening. And I just trust that this will be an encouragement to you as we just try to stumble our way through life and do the best we can with the time that we're given. We have a very, very short amount of time in the grand scheme of things. That's and I right. just want every moment to matter and have a purpose
0: you <laughs> Uh, Well, we really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Erin, and we realized we didn't tell you much about her from the beginning, but Erin and her husband, Mark, uh, lead Village Church up in Vancouver and are good friends uh, of ours, and we've done ministry and some events with them together, but it was fun to connect with her and just hear more of the why behind so much of what they do, but I'll tell you what, I'm ready to order the poster, the t-shirt, whatever it is that she kept talking about, just that quote her friend told her, the chatter doesn't matter, the vision makes a decision I think is really brilliant and so many places where I know I feel like I get stuck in a decision because you kind of worry too much about how it might look or what people might say or how it's going to come across and I don't know I'm super inspired to just
1: Well, you also, I mean, we just talked about how you spent your weekend, you know, (laughs) making lists and and you live with a lot of intention. What a a
0: rager of a weekend.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, for me, sometimes I'm such a free spirit and like sometimes I feel limited by, Mm -hmm. you know, putting some of those parameters and boundaries and that there's not enough of like opportunity to change and to be flexible. Mm -hmm. But what I'm realizing, not just through this conversation, but that that actually that intentionality creates more freedom. Mm -hmm. And she really articulated that well, um, really well in a way that I haven't thought about. But I will tell you, the hot chocolate bar, I I mean, I think it it shows us just how easy it is to be hospitable Mm -hmm. and to create some of those Christmas traditions and memories, regardless of whether you have kids or not. I mean, a lot of times we think of traditions of homes with kids, but so many and and we're empty nesting and you don't have kids. We can still bring those traditions into our home. I think
0: it goes back to her point, make a priority list. If, I mean, I'm gonna be honest. Well, this is a longer story, but uh, I come from a family that really values Christmas cookies. (laughs) And so I always thought in my like two or three days off in December, I had to spend a whole day making Christmas cookies. And then finally one year I was like, why am I doing that? It's not a priority for me also, cause I know I'll fly home and my mom's already made them, but it wore me out. It wasn't life giving. I was like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. So I cut out co- Christmas cookie day and on my prior, it just wasn't a priority for me because I, yeah, just for me. So I think it's just kind of thinking through all those things.
1: Really Really good. And
0: then also I mean, it helps because I know my mom will make them. Yeah. She can't get off the hook. Right, right. She's listening to this and we'll yeah. hear it.
1: <laughs> you are you do a lot a little bit more store bought than you used to. Hey. It's great. I know. That's good. That's freedom right there. <laughs> there, This was thoughtful. I mean, I'm I'm mm. walking away. I'm going to, I think I know how I'm spending this weekend.
0: Well, yeah. Thanksgiving's coming.
1: Well, no, lists. I'm going to do lists and list. I'm going to get Set my chocolate priorities. bar and oh,
0: yeah. live intentionally. We should probably <laughs> test it
1: out this week. That's so good.
0: All right, we've talked long enough, but we really hope that you guys have enjoyed this episode. Hope that you're excited about Thanksgiving next week and all the things coming up. Um, If you thought of someone that you thought could use this conversation, make sure you share it, like it, and subscribe. It really helps us in the world of podcasts to make sure people keep hearing this content and are encouraged by it. So have a great day and we will see you next week. Bye.